And a very good morning to you. It's Martin Keller on Talk Sport and uh, Talk Radio here till uh, six o'clock in the morning on Talk Sport, five o'clock on uh, Talk Radio when uh, Daryl Morris uh, comes along at uh, five. Loads to talk about with him. Uh, now, high time we uh, caught up on the uh, world as it looks from uh, Latin America. Our man in Mexico is John Bonfilio. Uh, John, very good evening to you. Good evening, Martin. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? All okay. I'm wearing a sweater. It's winter here. We reached 23 degrees today. Distinctly <laughs> brisk and chilly. <laughs> it, it must be lovely when the temperature goes down to to, to a chilly 23 degrees. No, uh, you must definitely. really welcome that. Totally. This it's funny because um because people here come uh, at this time of year come come to work or walk walk the streets in you know massive woolen coats and 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 balaclavas and the like. <laughs> Uh, which is just, you know, obviously a little bit strange for somebody yeah. who's, uh, who's experienced a different, a different level of, of weather. Indeed. Now, John, we, we, you know, we often talk about the stories that are breaking throughout uh, Latin America, but I just thought I'd like to talk a little bit about what you're doing out there, because I know you've been out there for some time, and uh, I was sort of looking up uh, on Google some of the things you've done, because we did speak once before about the time you became a news story yourself, didn't you, when you were, you were stranded on, uh, on an expedition. But what is it you, you mainly do out there, John? So I guess it's um, it's kind of sustainable uh, development, um, socio-environmental work with uh, with in particular kind of remote communities, but just communities across across Latin America. So basically, it's just about trying to work on areas like uh, like conservation, reducing waste and pollution, streamlining you know best practice in terms of uh, in terms of minimal environmental impact and and so on. Um, and yeah, so this has been going on for a while. I guess it's, you know, non-profit. Well, I mean, I know it's non-profit work because of the state <laughs> of my bank balance. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's, it, you know, it's the NGO, the non-governmental uh, sector that I'm, that I'm involved in uh, out here. Right. I mean, is, are you going to stay there forever or is this just a, a sort of, I don't know, a five, ten year thing? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, I think, I mean, I've been loosely in Latin America now for about 20 years with, you know, with the odd little, the odd little break. And to, to a large extent, I mean, I, th I think two things. One is it really feels like home now. And, um, you know, there's lots of things which I, despite, you know, a lot of things that we cover on a, on a weekly basis that I, that I love and, uh, really appreciate about Latin America. And also, you know, broadly the question is, would I ever go back to Europe? Would I ever go back, um, to, to the UK? And I, I'm quite happy not dealing with brexit headlines not coming across brexit <laughs> headlines on you know on a minute by minute and second by second basis so there's nothing for sure at the moment that you know that would drive me would drive me back and going back to the weather that we just spoke about before as well i mean you know every, every day here is pretty much balmy you can walk about in flip-flops and a, and, a, and a shirt and that in itself is you know that is a thing yeah, I suppose so. Well, when I was asking you uh, about people that uh, we might want to remember from uh, 2020 who are no longer with us, um, what you said was that uh, uh, amongst other people, obviously uh, Maradona has been, uh, been the major loss in Latin America. You did say there'd been uh, a large number, in fact, a record number of uh, the killing of uh, land rights defenders in Latin America. So these are people from the sort of indigenous communities are they who've tried to defend i don't know their land from loggers and such like is that what we're talking about 
Yeah, essentially, yeah. I wanted to broaden it out from just one person just to really kind of um, give a sense of, of the scale of, of this. It's not always indigenous um, communities or indigenous individuals that, that, that you know that get in the way of these things, but 40%, so two out of every five killings that takes place in, in Latin America is an indigenous land rights defender. And, and, this, uh, and the scale of these killings has gone up year on year now for the last few years and, and exponentially uh, so there's an organization called Global Witness that, that charts the, the, the grim progress of these, um, of these killings. And, and Latin America uh, also uh, experiences 40% of all uh, land rights activist killings. And essentially it's people who have, you know, who live on the land, normally in a kind of pristine environment, whether that be, uh, you know, forest, uh, uh, jungle, etc., et and essentially they come into conflict with some kind of um, external agenda, which could be loggers, could be agribusiness, could be miners. Actually, those two, agribusiness and miners, are the are the two most significant in terms of the causes of death. But also police, politicians, because police and politicians tend to, on the one hand, politicians, you know, give the green light for this extraction extractivist agenda, and then police are tasked with making sure that it goes through whatever the legality of it. And then you've mm. also got things like um, cartels and militias that they that they come across as well. There's actually a, a really interesting organization in, in the UK, in, in London, called the Business, Business and Human Rights Resource Center. And what they actually look at is they, they trace these killings back to different businesses. And they basically say, look, um, these, these killings don't just happen in a vacuum, that um, there's different companies that, that need to improve their their practice and their policy and actually take responsibility for all these things that that are happening because oftentimes it's on the fringes of uh, this uh, i guess the business's um modus operandi what, what t- takes place but they're very happy to um to turn a blind eye to um to these uh, semi-violent militia mm. militant groups which you know which bet uh, you know at worst kill indigenous or land rights defenders but also it goes much further than that it's also just generally you know threats beatings arrests intimidation they're often the subject of of smear campaigns and and it's a real problem not just you know for the people involved but also for the environment you know you and i have spoken many times this year about the deforestation in in the amazon and that comes up in the news because it's the amazon but that it's not just happening there uh mm. you know the the the, the, the wanton destruction for a fast buck is taking place right across the world, and we see it here, you know, on a on a daily basis, um, and it's uh, it's horrendous, and it takes its toll, literally, in terms of you know people's lives, people that you know that, that I know and have and have spoken to, who are who I you know converse with on a regular basis, who who are at the at the coalface of of these of these very difficult situations. Yeah, and I suppose the, the election of Bolsonaro didn't help. No, yeah, I mean it, it, it definitely didn't. Um, that the, the, the kind of the, the giving the, the carte blanche that Bolsonaro or that you know the Bolsonaro ilk has given to the likes of mining and, and agribusiness. Um, you know, I mean, he's not even hidden behind it. He's basically, you know, said that you know the, these are these are resources are there to be economised for the good of the state and for the good of the. The economy and that's his agenda i mean i guess you've got to give him that you know he's he's not done it by sleight of hand he was elected on that on that platform very very uh, flagrantly front front and center okay there's one latin american story uh, as well this week john that would uh, interest our formula one fans 
Sao Paulo is to uh, is to host the Brazilian Grand Prix for the next five years, um, which is at Interlagos, very famous. Um, but there were plans to move the race to uh, Rio de Janeiro, but that and that would have required uh, apparently the destruction of more than 150,000 trees. So I suppose for environmentalists like yourself, that's that's good news that it remains at Interlagos. Yeah, I mean, environmentalists like myself aren't, you know, don't see Formula One as, as being no. the, the apotheosis of progressive behaviour. But, but, but by the by, um, yeah, Interlagos is for sure, you know, one of the one of the famous, most historic um, tracks uh, on Earth, really, built, um, set up in the, for the first time in, in 1940 and hosted its first Grand Prix in 1973. And also really interesting because for two reasons. One is it's one of the few tracks that's hilly, that has undulations, actually caused it a lot of problems early on in its career. And the second one is that it's one of the minority non-oval counterclockwise tracks on the Formula One circuit. So so there you have it. But yeah, the basic news is that they were going to move it across to Rio and uh, Lewis Hamilton, who's who's increasingly finding his own activist voice, uh, yeah, said that he wasn't in favour, that the Formula One didn't need a, a new track and he wasn't the he, he wasn't the only one. And so... The, um, the, the Brazilian Grand, Grand Prix, which is now being renamed the Sao, Sao Paulo Grand Prix, is, is staying in Telagos. My, my sense of this is that the fact that they're calling it the Sao Paulo Grand Prix and not the Brazilian Grand Prix is that although this isn't, uh, nothing's changing for next year, that they're leaving a, a window open to actually continue doing what they were planning to do anyway in terms of starting a new track and then having the Brazilian Grand Prix somewhere else but but we'll see but for, for sure for the moment in a sporting context the news is uh the brazilian grand prix well the sao paulo grand prix uh stays in its its traditional home until at least 2025 excellent excellent uh, we'll talk about the skulls next week the mexican skulls um but so keep that keep that handy at the top of your keep agenda. that nice <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Keep those skulls on ice. Uh, and uh, John, thank you as always for uh, for joining us. And we'll uh, we'll talk next week. No problem. Merry Christmas, Martin. And to you too. Yes, of course. Next week is Christmas, and uh, like those uh, people in Mexico, we'll have our uh, our overcoats on indoors uh, all day next uh, Christmas. With the windows wide open. Brilliant. Uh, right. Very shortly on the show.